This is Chargers Unleashed Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dan Wolfenstein and Jake Hefton. Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake Hefner and Dan Wolkenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, being brought to you by Bet Online, Chargers Bolt Family, Rock Solid Sports Memorabilia, Liquid Death, and Athletic Greens. Damn, we got a lot of sponsors now. If this is your first time tuning into the show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. Uh, welcome, everybody. It has been a hot, long minute since Dan and I have done a live show. And based off of everything that's kind of happened in the Chargers Twitter sphere over the last week and a half, obviously it hasn't been the best road limping into the bye, both figuratively and literally. Dan and I are just kind of surveying what's taking place out there in Chargers world. I know there's a lot of mixed opinions. A lot of uh, feelings are floating around as we head into a pivotal week uh, nine matchup with the Atlanta Falcons. So Dan and I wanted to get a chance to talk to the Chargers faithful. We want to get the pulse of the Chargers fans out there. Let's talk. Let's have a conversation. And Dan, given the fact that the Chargers are coming back off their bye, given the fact that a lot of people are upset about that they didn't make any moves at the trade deadline, given the fact of the uncertainty of certain players as we head into this matchup with the Falcons, I have come up with one immediate solution that can totally help for oh. this very moment. Oh, okay. What's your solution? <laughs> Go on. Oh. It helps. And? and? Oh, oh, you're I, putting oh, it I, down. No, no, no. <laughs> I know exactly what it tastes like, okay? And it helps. Oh, man. All right. Well, while you're sipping, uh, guys, gals, welcome to Chargers Unleashed Live. Uh, it has been a minute, like Jake said. This is all about listening to you, kind of having a discussion with our fellow uh, viewers, listeners. And we want to kind of get the most out of this and kind of voice our opinions. Not just frustrations, not just questions, but there's also optimism. You know the Charges Unleashed show. We got both positive and negative topics here. Uh, but I think there's just been a lot of questions the last couple of weeks, Jake. And then there's kind of radio silence last week with the bye. We saw some things transpire with the team, with other teams especially. Saw some big splash moves. Not necessarily seeing many with the Chargers. Actually, not seeing any with the Chargers. And so, like the vibe that it it just feels very like one match is going to set the whole thing on fire. Is what it feels like. And I I don't know why that is. I mean, I know there's a bunch of reasons why, but we want to hear from. You, listeners, viewers, put in the comments, questions, topics, things you want to discuss, things that are frustrating you, things you're excited about, questions you have, and we'll do our best to kind of go through these as we go through this episode. Again, we want as much kind of give and take, as much as back and forth with you guys as we can. So if you guys don't want to have any questions answered, we'll just stop the show and we'll go back to doing our regular Wednesday afternoon. Um, so I think, Jake, just to kind of start this thing off uh, over or under how many F bombs we're going to see from Jake Hefner in this, this show? Sunday. In the, oh yes. In this show. I mean, let's talk how, about this show. You know, we're going to okay, preview the Falcons game later on this week, but let's just talk Fair. about this show and over under how many F bombs we'll get from Jake Hefner and company 
Well, and company. I mean, yeah. you, you better be getting into the double digits. That's for sure. Oh, if you're gonna be putting I, I, didn't, I didn't even put a number up. <laughs> I mean, look, I can't speak for anybody else, but I would have a good idea that a lot of people are in their feelings. So <laughs> I'll put yes. that number pretty high. Segway, segway. Let's talk about our friends over at Bet Online. So, Bet Online, for anybody who is not aware, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for all of your sports betting needs this season. You always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends over at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head on over to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit and make sure you use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. All right, so we've got some comments in here already, Jake, so this is going pretty quickly. A uh, few people saying hello. Night Owl says hello. Richie Lloyd said hello that he's first. LA Suckers, Jake, comes in with a positive vibe right off the clip. Hashtag sarcasm saying, quote, it's all bad, LOL. I'll tell you what's uh, not bad is this. Yeah. Okay, what, what are you drinking, by the way? And folks out there, tell yes. us, what are you drinking? Because this is good all the way down, baby. So that's... <laughs> this is McFarland Reserve, by the way. Great recommendation from a buddy of mine who lives in Nebraska. He definitely knows his whiskey and bourbon. So I've had this uh, I've had this in the cabinet for a couple months now. And I thought, hey, what better reason than to pop it out for this show? Good. Okay. Um, Chad says, let's hear from all the keyboard GMs, which if you look on Twitter or on any social media platform these days, there's a lot of them. There's a lot uh, of them. First question, Jake, from DJ Blade Runner. And I think there's a lot that we can get into from this question. But the question is, were the expectations too high after the offseason, given the history of the team? <sighs> You could take this in many different ways. I mean, yeah, you could take this a lot of different ways. I'm not sure if the, and I'm assuming you're talking about like coming in from the off season to the regular season. I'm I'm assuming that this is what this is referencing to, but the Chargers kind of did it to themselves, which internally did it to us. I mean, they had the most cap money to spend under Tom Telesco that they've ever had. They went out and they signed a slew of free agents, all ones that filled a lot of holes, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They spent a lot of time investing in Justin Herbert in 2021. This year, they focused on the defense in 2022, and they brought in a lot of key free agents, a handful of which have contributed, others that haven't gotten a chance to. And I think the hype was real because you were putting all these pieces together and you're saying the same thing, unfortunately, that we've said about this Chargers team for many, many years is that on paper, they're a very talented team. And unfortunately, Dan, throughout circumstances that we have not been able to overcome, and that one being injuries, not using that as an excuse, but also, and this was one of the things that I had talked to you about offline as we were leading up to this show. It's not like the Chargers just got this whole handful of injuries a week ago, two weeks ago. They have been dealing with adversary since week one. And I think the biggest issue that myself, when I watch this team, other fans, when they watch this team, is that good coaches, good coordinators find ways to adapt with players, especially offensively. If we're just taking 
the wide receiver group, as an example. You've lost Keenan Allen for an extended period of time. You just lost Mike Williams. You've been dealing with Josh Palmer and Donald Parham in and out of this lineup. You've been trying to antiquate Michael Bandy and DeAndre Carter into this lineup a lot more. The running game has been up and down throughout the season. Isaiah Spiller is finally getting his feet wet. And the biggest thing, and Coach Staley said this in his press conference today, is inconsistency. And that's one of the biggest things here is that what does this, what's the true identity of this team, both offensively and defensively? I think that's the biggest question that everybody feels like because you get a, let's face it, a lucky win against the Browns based off of a missed field goal. If the Broncos had a better quarterback playing in that matchup, you could have easily lost that game. The Chargers, unfortunately, have not dominated in any game that they have been a part of. Everything has been close. And for them to sit at four and three right now really is fortunate. So, yes, the Chargers are still in playoff contention mathematically and record-wise if you want to look at it. But there have been so many inconsistencies throughout this team, both (laughs) offensively and defensively, that raises these questions. So, to the original question, were the expectations too high? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. Thank you. Based Thank off you. of what they brought in in free agency, based off of this being the second year that Justin Herbert was under Brandon Staley and Joe Lombardi, I don't think the expectations were too high at all. Unfortunately, sitting here at the midpoint of the season, I think we can all agree that we would expect a little bit better consistency from an offensive and defensive standpoint. Okay, so Jake, you threw a lot out there, and it... I'm telling you, it feels like this is week 18 and a half and the Chargers are eliminated from the playoffs and everything, everyone should be fired and burned to smithereens. Guys, gals, let's just take a pause, take a breath. It is week nine. Chargers are currently have a winning record. They are currently in the playoffs if it ended today. The Chargers are... Sure, they are not performing as we all expected, and we hoped that they would perform better. Now, we also hope that they'd be a little healthier. And look, every team goes through injuries. I get that. To answer the question, were the expectations too far too high this offseason? Absolutely not. Like, let's just call a spade a spade. They brought in JC Jackson, they brought in Khalil Mack, they brought in Bryce Callahan, Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, Gerald Everett. Like, it goes on and on and on. You got Kyle Van Noy coming at last minute. Like, along with Derwin James, Joey Bosa, Keenan Allen, Justin Herbert, Mike Williams. Like, no, expectations were not too high for this team. They have most top 100 NFL players in the NFL with eight. Half of them are not playing right now. You lose Rashawn Slater. Corey Lindsay's out for a while. Keenan Allen's gone. Joey Bosa's gone. JC Jackson is either not playing, playing poorly, or hurt gone what do you expect to see like yes our team on paper when healthy is a juggernaut and they should be now our team as it currently stands with the players you currently have they're a four and three team do you honestly think about it do you honestly think this team with its current roster not what's on the ir current roster are they really better than four and three should they be better than four and three I don't know. Honestly. So, no. Expectations were not too high. Uh, Jake, we got to go rapid fire because there's a ton of questions here. There's nowhere we're going to get to all these. Um, 
That's what this forum is for, my friend. That is what this podcast is dedicated to today. Richie Lloyd says, do you think the Chargers pick up OBJ? Let's say you. (sighs) Look, no. I hope so. I hope so. I I wanted him last year. People thought I was nuts. They thought he was washed. Fast forward, he's balling out, then he gets hurt awfully. Like, now everyone wants him. But again, you're not going to get him until arguably like in a month. Hey. I'll say I'll say no, and I and I'm not saying it to put it down because I understand what OBJ would bring to a wide. You just have more. no faith in Tom no, Telesco. Look, I'm just look. I'm <laughs> connecting dots here, okay? And I'm I'll, I'll even reference comments that were made today from Brandon Staley. And you have to combine a number of different things into this, as Daniel Poffer referenced in his article today from the Athletic as well. So Staley talking about. Moves that aren't going to just benefit you for today, but for the future as well. Contractually, the Chargers don't have that much cap space left. I think it's just over $4 that they have in cap space currently right now. So I'm not sure what type of deal that OBJ would be willing to take. Um, From the standpoint that even given their current roster and their current wide receiver depletion, the fact that Keenan Allen, apparently, as reports have surfaced now, that he re-injured his hamstring injury last week during the bye week, and knowing careful. that... Careful, careful, no- careful, careful. He didn't, like, th- well, it's all over the place. Okay, a setback, whatever you no, want. No, no, not it, according to Brandon Staley. Well, <laughs> is it a setback? Is it not a setback? I don't know. What do you, what do you say? There's, like, are scar that tissue that is... I don't Signs are that he's not playing this week, and even he would not put a timetable on when he's going to return. So if you thought the Chargers wide receiver cores looked bad without just Keenan Allen, now you're without Keenan Allen and you're without Mike Williams for an extended period of time. So this is what really irks me, Dan, is that the Chargers had such an advantageous opportunity for the fact that their bye week came right before the trade deadline. And given the slew of injuries that they have unfortunately gone with or, or befallen upon them, you had such a great opportunity to try to make something work. Whether that was a wide receiver, whether that was an additional edge rusher, because obviously you've lost Joey Bosa, now you've lost Chris Rump and all this. I thought you could have made something work based off the timing of that. was nice. The timing Again, was if nice. You, if you were two and five, maybe we're having a different story. Maybe you're sellers, but you're four and three. Like you mentioned, Dan, you're technically, mathematically in the playoff race. And you see Kansas City, who is still looking hot, going out and making a trade for Kadarius Toney. You see Philadelphia Eagles, who haven't lost a game, going out and making their deals. You're seeing the Miami Dolphins, who are just around the same record, by week discluded, same record essentially as the Chargers, and they're making moves because they're investing in their team. Obviously, the teams that I'm mentioning have not befallen the same injury luck that the Chargers have had, but you would feel that you at least need to make a playoff push. So whether that was Elijah Moore that everybody was clamoring for, whether that was, um, oh my gosh, why am I forgetting the edge rusher that was traded from Chicago? Bradley Chubb. No, oh, not really. Smith. Yes, Smith. which when you finally saw the intricacies of that deal, given the draft capital that was given up and how much Chicago was paying for that, that was a very realistic deal that the Chargers could have pulled off given their current salary situation. So flip it back to OBJ. No, based off of that, unfortunately, I don't see the Chargers signing it. Because if you weren't willing to pull the trigger, given your 
the current status of your team right now. And based off of some of the comments that Brandon Staley was saying, as far as getting guys back, he seems fully content to ride with the guys that he has and weather this storm over the next three or four weeks before he'll get the Keenan Allens back, before he'll get the Mike Williams back. And I'm with you. I understand the frustration. Uh, a signing like Mike, uh, signing like OBJ would definitely help. And on paper, would definitely would look good. But I just, from what I've seen, Dan, I don't see them doing that. Look, what I would, what I think would be the best case scenario, and do I think the Chargers pick up OBJ? I'm going to asterisk this with it depends. Um, Do I think they should? Absolutely. I think it depends on what the on what the record is when OBJ is able to actually play. So let's say the Chargers are, I don't know, seven and six, six and five. In that range, okay? In the, in the playoff hunt, with four or five games left to go, when OBJ is able to come back, Mike Williams is just coming back, Keenan Allen, in theory, should be back, and you can add OBJ to that to kind of just bolster the hell out of this offense, yeah, I'm doing it. Do I do it right now? No. You still have a month before the guy's even going to be on the field, at minimum. So, but if the Chargers go on a four-game losing streak, no, that's stupid. Not doing it. Um, <laughs> Robert says, no Keenan this week. We're in so much trouble. Honestly, you can't argue against that. HH4, welcome back. Love to see your pessimistic face. Uh, is Coupon Tom on vacation? Such a disappointment in this ball club. Come on. Are, you're still calling him Coupon Tom? Seriously. Seriously. I'm not necessarily agreeing with HH4 here, given the fact of what took Come place on, in the offseason, given the fact or that Tom has signed or the all these big-name players, something that the previous GM, by the way, in case any of you remember, the old GM of this franchise who would never sign any players to long-term deals. But I think you just kind of got that sense, Dan, that after the investment that he made in the free agent market, that you may have finally kind of changed your bearings a little bit and been a little bit more aggressive. So, you know, I don't blame the perspective from coming back, just given the layout of where the Chargers currently stand and the injuries that they have been hit by. I agree. I agree. Charged up Rich asked the question, do you think the Chargers dropped the ball on getting a speed threat because they have one on the roster already? Hint, Joe Reed or John Hightower. See, that is a confusing part, Dan. And and you bring that up from when uh, Jalen Guyton went down. And Joe Reed, by the way, Joe, Joe Reed is, I would not necessarily say he's a speed threat, but continue. So then the Chargers went out and that following week that he went down, John Hightower became a part of the roster. So you're thinking, okay, there's the replacement. I know this was big into the time that we all wanted to see Michael Bandy kind of become part of the roster that was in the midst of that. And... Personally, do I think that the Chargers should have drafted a wide receiver this past draft? 100%. Am I still kind of on board with the Elijah Moore notion that maybe should have taken place? Yes. But to Daniel Popper's point, I kind of get it. If he's already disgruntled being the third or fourth best option in the Jets offense right now, what's he going to feel like when he comes over to this team and when you have those wide receivers back? But I'm right in the middle there because it's (laughs) like, well, you need someone to catch the ball. You need another, you know, another gear to this team. And on a 
who knows what the draft compensation would have been, but on a low-level contract, it is definitely something that the Chargers could have swung at that point in time. And personally, I think that they should be drafting a wide receiver next year. You have to find it one way or the other. You okay, have well, to hold on. Drafting, drafting a receiver high or drafting a receiver, period? Let's just say for now, drafting a wide receiver, period. We'll see. We'll have okay. to take a full assessment sure. of this team and what the needs are after the season's over. But drafting a wide receiver, period, and someone who's got speed to add another element to this offense, 100%. Why, Jake, why have they not, why have we not seen John Hightower? Like, at all. Well, I mean, there's a number of different reasons why. Obviously, he joins the team the early part of the season. Has if okay, here's a great great example. Tony Michelle did the same thing. He was literally practicing the same day. No, no, no. Hang on a second. I have a great example for you. If Brandon Staley could make for all those weeks when all we, when we were all wondering where is Isaiah Spiller, and he was saying that he needs to beat out X, Y, and Z, and it literally took an injury from Joshua Kelly for him to be activated. And we're talking about a guy that has been part of this offense and practiced with this offense since the summertime, since the springtime. I would think that Staley and Lombardi's rationale, whether you agree with it or not, was to say, well, he hasn't got ingratiated with this offense enough, hasn't been able to build that rapport yet with Justin Herbert. And obviously, we've seen with guys that already have, there have been a few miscommunication marks throughout the games over these last couple of weeks. So that would be my best guess at reasoning. Robert, speaking of Isaiah Spiller, Robert asked the question, why do you think Spiller hasn't really gotten any chance to show himself? Well, for one, for, for, for one in the game that he was finally activated for, the Chargers could not run the ball. That's for one. And Blow then that. two, defensively, they just got so far behind in the lead to where you really had to abandon the run. I know, I'm with everybody else as far as when I felt that he should have started getting ingratiated with this offense. Unfortunately, his actual NFL playing time as it stands right now is a very small sample size. So you would hope that especially from a ingratiation into the passing game more often that the Chargers would look to do that coming off of the bye. Yeah, I think I agree. I think I agree. All right, again, for guys, gals who are just joining, we're doing a live show, obviously, but we're trying to get as much questions and topics in from the fan base as much as possible so we can kind of get some feelings and thoughts and perspectives out there in the open and engage with you guys. So you're leaving the comments and questions. We've got a ton of these, Jake. I'm going to fly through some of these real fast so we can kind of get caught up here. Uh, Chargers boys asked the question, do you think the lack of moves is because the contract extension for Herbert is this offseason? Interesting no. question. And, I mean, it depends but on no. who you, it depends on who you're at. Like, okay, yeah, Roquan Smith, sure. Right. <laughs> Brandon Cooks would have been a different story. That'd have been a much bigger cap hit. Elijah Moore would have been much, you know, lower than that. So I don't think so. I think they had to make if they were going to make a move, they had to make the right one as it relates mm -hmm. to contractually. Besides, let's not forget your first and your second wide receiver are making double digit numbers if, as far as their contracts. 40 goes. plus no. million combined. No, I think that they've kept Justin Herbert's contract numbers very much in line and they still could have done something. Yep. Kerry uh, Collins asked the question, our offensive line needs help. Why couldn't we go after a big name tackle like trade Allen or something? Well, the second now, part, of, the second part of that question 
is you've seen what this offense already looks like without Keenan Allen, just because he's still part of the team and he's injured. So I'm not so sure that Keenan Allen being traded would have been the right way to go. Do I, do I think that they could have invested a little bit more in tackle depth? Yes. Do I think that Trey Pipkins has been an improvement over what Storm Norton was from last year? Yes. And that was the biggest question that most people had coming into this season. I think Zion Johnson has had, you know, he's had his fair share of ups and downs over the last couple of weeks, but overall he's been good. I think Matt Filer needs to improve a little bit more. Obviously, Corey Lindsley has been in and out of the lineup. And we all know the story from what has taken place with Rashawn Slater. So it's just been bad luck all the way around as it relates Question. to the line. Push back a little bit. The premise I'm a little questioning. Our offensive line needs help. Like, Trey Pipkins has looked good. Corey let's, say Lindsley, he's, let's say he's looked better. Let's say he's looked better. He's been he's been as good as we need him to be, in my opinion. Zion Johnson has looked good. Corey Lindsley, again, he should be when back. He, we should when be he fine plays, When he plays, he's solid. And I, I kind of put Corey Lindsley and Matt Filer together as one. And Corey Lindsley plays, Matt Filer's great. When Corey Lindsley doesn't play, Matt Filer's not great. And then Jamari Sawyer has like, been pretty good. So, like, I don't know. I, the I think offensive line is an weirdly, the offensive line, offensive line is, like, not It's an interesting the one to have because – you do have to kind of look at the last couple of years. And I've said this on our previous shows, Dan, we would if, dream this. if Philip rivers was still the quarterback <laughs> of this team. Are you kidding me? He he was probably sitting at home right now going like, why couldn't you make these moves on the offensive line? When I was the quarterback of this team, I mean, whether it's through the draft or free agency, they have finally gotten their self themselves in the right direction to at least know you have to invest in that. If you're going to be protecting your franchise quarterback. Now this one might trigger Jake Hefner and some of the watchers and listeners, uh, LDE Bruin with a silent H in there. It looks like asks or says Lombardi is taking so much blame, but he's had the most injuries on offense in the league, but Staley got a quarter billion dollar for his billion dollars for his guys. <laughs> And the defense still gives up the third most points in the league. Now, Jake, this is a two-part question. Yeah. <laughs> the floor is yours, sir. So there's a lot of different ways to dissect this. Yes, if you're if you really want to go with the injury aspect, yes, from the offensive standpoint, that's the one that has been hit the most. Specifically, John Slater, receiver. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Jalen Guyton. But, for a bit. For yes. Sean, mm. But, damn. Joshua Kelly. As I said at the Justin beginning Herbert. part of this show, <laughs> you know, Donald Parham wasn't playing at the beginning of this season. Donald Keenan Parham Allen Donald. was basically playing for Donald Parham. Excuse me. Yes. For the fact checkers out there. Yes. I apologize. I will get better at that. Uh, Keenan Allen essentially is there for a half game before he goes down. My point is, is that You've known the injuries have been there almost essentially since day one. So, Dan, this is the point that I've had that I've had to make with you with Lombardi because we have had to come on this show, whether it's after a win or a loss, and sometimes we've heard the quotes from Lombardi saying, I wish I had that one back, or more specifically, the one uh, in the Jaguars game the week after Justin Herbert suffered the cracked ribs that he admitted that he was probably a little bit too conservative with his play calling. Now, 
with Justin Herbert's injury, it's we really don't know what his pain threshold is right now and what he can do. And maybe it's a lot less or a lot more than what has been let on. But to me, Dan, looking at the injuries that have taken place, if we just want to pigeonhole this to the wide receivers in this offense, or if we want to take it to the tight end standpoint, or however you want to do it, but this offense as a whole, the good quarter, the good coordinators and the good coaches find a way to adapt to that. You have other playmakers on this team that are not named Keenan Allen. So you would hope that you would be able to create an offensive game plan that would be able to, I guess, work to your receiver strengths while working to your quarterback strengths. And, you know, after the Jacksonville game, I, I understood it based off of those circumstances. When the Houston game came up, that was the little sign that the running game that had kind of been very absentee for those three weeks started to surface again. And in Cleveland, it definitely came back with a vengeance in that game. You saw what took place there. But I still feel like just looking at this from a 5,000 point point of view, they're still trying to find their identity offensively. That's really what it feels like. And we, now, Which is weird. And week now, nine. Yes, we're in week nine. Which normally it's not really the okay. Well, you know they'll get it on track type of thing. like week nine. You you kind of are what you're going to be for the rest of the year. Month one, weeks one through four. That's when you kind of iron out the kinks. I really don't see. I really. I mean, look. I I have said it many times that if I if, if I end up being wrong based off of something that the team proves, I will be the first to come on here and admit that I'm wrong. The confidence level that I have that all of a sudden, especially with the aspect of Keenan Allen probably not playing this week and not having Mike Williams. I don't have the most confidence in the world that we're going to see an all of a sudden different offense. You shouldn't, so you shouldn't to be honest. If, if Brandon Staley and Joe Lombardi were content with the weapons that they have, then I said this to you, Dan. I said, okay, well, if they're, if they're not going to make a trade and they are this content with their weapons to go forth over the next few weeks, you better show me a completely different game plan that is going to work. But unfortunately, I just don't have that level of confidence. And, and honestly, and again, the only reason Chargers fans and folks covering the team would have confidence in this offense turning it around is because of number 10. And number 10 has broken rib cartilage. Now, maybe he's a little bit healthier. Hopefully. We'll see. But LA Suckers puts it perfectly. Let's face it. Our offense is predictable. And that is something that your starting running back did. It definitely did say after the Seattle Seahawks game. He said it, it was predictable. And, and that's the frustrating part for me. It, and I don't know if folks feel this way or have noticed this. But, you know, you hear a lot about teams going into games for like the first 15 plays scripted and the rest of the game is kind of like off script. You got to got to adapt to it, whatever, uh, depending on what the other team's doing. I kind of take it a different way. And I look at kind of the team when healthy, right? Joe Lombardi has this master game plan. of what he's going to do with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Jalen Guyton and John Carter, Gerald Everett, Austin Eckler, Herbert, you can name it. Right. And like the game plan's great. Okay. And then like, let's say you lose, Keenan Allen like should you then slide Mike Williams or slide Josh Palmer in that regard into the Keenan Allen role and everything that Keenan Allen did just give it Josh Palmer 
if Mike Williams goes down, do you, should you just slide Josh Palmer into the Mike Williams slot and have Josh Palmer do everything that Mike Williams did in terms of running routes, the route tree, what his responsibilities are? Should Michael Bandy take the Mike Williams routes if both of those guys are gone? If all three of those guys are gone? If Donald Parham's out, like should Everett be doing the same things that he was doing? And I think that's the part for me that is frustrating is the offense is predictable in a sense. Now, there's a lot of layers to that because a lot of it is because they've been behind the sticks because of bad play. And also they've had just horrible penalties on their own regard. But the, it doesn't seem like Lombardi and company are adjusting the playbook to the personnel they currently have active on the roster. Like, I don't see a playbook or a set play that this is good for Michael Bandy. This is good for Josh Palmer. This is good for insert player. Like, it seems like, well, this is what we go, this is what we had, this is what we go with, and we'll see which one of these plays that we had before will work with these guys. And so you're left with what could possibly work in that regard, and that's what's predictable. And I, I think, like, I just want to see Lombardi say, screw it. Screw what we had going into the season with. These are my guys. This is what we're going to do. And I just haven't seen that yet. And I think that's the frustrating part for me. I know it was a rant. Um, Craig Smith. Oh, hi, guys. Lovely What's evening we're having. What's happening, Craig? Always love talking to Craig. Friend of the show. Uh, J.E.O. comes in. Hightower is not good enough. Neither is Bandy or Jason Moore. These are practice squad guys. But the F.O. content front office is content with that well front office is gonna ah, see i don't know what those mean okay now again staley said it today he has confidence in those guys and i after i saw that or after i kind of saw they didn't do anything that's going to be a decision that will loom large come end of season it could loom large the rest of the season but also through it so like We'll see, but everyone's going to be talking about it. I, I know they will. Um, Jake, I think we have to. Uh, I don't know how I don't know how your throat's feeling. I know you had some whiskey. The thing that's important is when you're drinking, always stay hydrated. So for folks out there who are watching and listening, who are hydrating themselves with alcohol, also do it with water. Our good friends over at Liquid Death, Jake, got to pay the bills. Liquid Death is making sure to. What is it? Kill the thirst? Murder, murder the thirst? Murder the thirst everywhere that they go? Yes. If you, guys have not, <laughs> if you guys haven't seen or found Liquid Death in your local Ralph's, your Albertsons, your Kroger's, your 7-Elevens, whatever local supermarket happens to be next to you, uh, go into the energy drink slash water section and what may look like a handful of tall boys. Don't let your eyes deceive you. It is definitely not alcohol, even though it makes it look like it is. But Liquid Death is one of the newest sparkling waters uh, that is out there, as Dan said, murdering thirst everywhere that it goes. Uh, comes in four different flavors. I actually just discovered the new berry flavor recently, but in regular mango, lime, and berry flavor. Uh, and they do a great contribution as it relates to uh, recycling efforts out there as far as what they put their proceeds for and what they do on the back end of things. So as Dan said, keep yourself hydrated. Go out and get yourself some Liquid Death today. Tell them Chargers Unleashed sent you. Go to liquiddeath.com slash LAFB. And like I said, go get yourself hydrated. 
Nick Samarikov. I'm terrible with pronouncing last names. I apologize. Uh, Already talking about the Falcons game. Going to be fun. Mariota versus Herbert. Go Ducks and Chargers. Yes, Jake. Two former Oregon Ducks going head-to-head this coming Sunday. We're going to get to the Falcons game preview later this week. This one is going to be all about not that game. Uh, HH4 with his splendid positivity. Bet the farm on the Falcons is going to get way uglier. Uh, Sleek O says, came late, pretty pissed off. We did nothing all in my, I would have thought it would have been ass or butt, but there's a lot of stars there. I'm not quite sure what I'm that gonna, word is used. I'm going to assume he meant feelings, <laughs> but you chose to take it a different direction. Nice job, Wolfenstein. All in my feelings. Okay. Um, look, I push back on the all in questioners because going into the season, going into week one, the only question that people, the only main question, I'll say there were probably two. What the hell are we doing at right tackle in Pipkins? Question number one. And I think question number two was there were some people wanting more speed at wide receiver. Other than that, it was pretty overwhelming that this was the best offseason Tom Telesco has had. This is a Super Bowl contending team. They went out and spent a shit ton of money on a bunch of players. They brought in stars. They have the most top 100 NFL players in the NFL. They were all in. Everyone bought and believed that. Fast forward. Injuries suck. Because they don't go out and get a, whatever, midseason trade at the trade deadline. Now they're not all in. Like, could they have done more? Sure. Could they have went out and gotten another receiver for speed? Yes. But to go from where we were week one to now all of a sudden, like, all in my ass, like, I, I, I just, I, I don't know. It just, that irks me. Because I'm like, come on, seriously? I mean, yes, injuries can't be discounted here, Dan, but I'm not going to use that as the ultimate excuse for Agreed. why this team has been inconsistent. Uh, and yes, did the Chargers show their aggressiveness in the offseason? which made you kind of believe, again, the most cap space that Tom Telesco has had, and I was even saying it before the season started, given the fact that he had that much money, he's got to go out and hit some home runs here. And in my opinion, trade for Khalil Mack, going out and signing J.C. Jackson as some of his first moves that he did, the rest of the guys that he brought in to fit Staley's system, I felt that he was ultra aggressive when it came to free agency. So given that, Dan, and then couple that with the current wide receiver situation, the current edge situation, you felt that maybe based on what he did in free agency, that he would be aggressive enough to go out and make a trade that at least for the immediate future and beyond, that he would do that. So again, like I said, If the front office is going to be content with the team that is going to ride out these next three weeks against Atlanta, San Francisco, and Kansas City until you start getting guys like Mike Williams and Joey Bosa back, it's a big stretch. But I would hope to then see a more efficient-looking offense. And unfortunately, (laughs) the chances of that happening on my meter are just not very high. Before I get to J-E-O or G-O or J-O's question uh, or comment, Jake, let me just ask, like, everyone bitches, ourselves included, about what the team is not doing well at. 
you know, I think consistency has probably been the main theme that has plagued this offense. I honestly think that penalties, obviously injuries, but I also think penalties has been a huge factor in what has stalled so many drives. But in your opinion, because I know you and I have talked about, you want to see more from Joe Lombardi specifically. What does he need to bring to improve the offense? Everyone's upset. And I should say everyone. I don't want to overstate. Many people are not happy with Joe Lombardi and they want to see insert thing. Like, you know, no, it's a very good question, Dan. And I will actually start on a simple route. And I'm not even going to be saying specific players or anybody that even needs to be ingratiated into this offense anymore because we know, obviously, what, who's there who and who is not there. So I would say this, just to get a more efficient ball rolling for yourself, you need to do a hell of a lot better on first and second down rather than putting yourself in these third and long situations to the point where, as Austin Eckler alluded to, it gets predictable. It gets predictable. Okay, how? Well, I, I, I'm just saying, you get into these third and long type of situations, whether it's anything that's beyond third and six. You know, the Chargers have not been the best as it relates to third down scenarios. They've been very inconsistent. Some games they've been okay in efficiency. Others, they've just been absolutely terrible. So they really need to get that going. Last year, they were actually really good in third down scenarios. If you remember the statistics from Justin Herbert on third down and fourth down, especially late in the season, he was a wizard. Now that didn't always attribute to equating into wins, but it definitely gave you a better shot. So they need to get back into that aspect of their offense. And again, I don't care who's catching the ball. I don't care who's running the ball, but you have to create more positive plays offensively. And you really just have to play complete football because Dan, nine weeks into the season, that is one thing that we have not seen from this team. And I'm talking offense, defense, and special teams as a whole. And where you could say that was a very, very positive game. Which is sad. Which which is all and it's alarming. And sure, some of that you can say is because the right guys are hurt. But regardless of who it is, coaching you would think would enable them to execute and not make mistakes. Or at least not make mental mistakes, physical mistakes. They can't catch the ball, whatever. But like some of the things you're seeing, that's not physical. Like that's like they're just error inside. Uh, J.O. brings a question or a comment that actually is kind of interesting. And I'm going to phrase it a different way after I read this. Staley is a head coach. If he wanted, if he wasn't satisfied with Lombardi's offense, then he should do something about it. It is worse than this defensive guru has not been able to better the defense. So, Jake, I ask you. What is worse, this offense not improving or not being what we all thought it was under Joe Lombardi, or this defense with Brandon Staley not being what we thought it was, although without Joey Bosa, given the defensive guru everyone was talking about? What, what, which one of those is worse? Again, look at the teams we've been playing. Some of those have been pretty good, but who's done a worse job. Brandon Staley as a defensive guy or Lombardi as an offensive guy? I think you'd almost have to. I mean, okay. I won't speak for anybody else. I'll speak for me. I think 
I have to kind of lean towards the expectations of a defense being better. If there's one trend, and like I was just saying, for what do you need to do better offensively, we'll flip it over to the other side. Defensively, the trend that has become a fact over the past several weeks here is you have to figure out a way to eliminate the big plays. Whether that's the deep throws down the field that are getting 40 yards of chunk time, whether it's the blown coverages, whether it's the running backs that are just always feeding off these 40-plus yard runs that are just absolute killers, you need to figure out a way to shore that up. And I think just with the investment that was made on defense, Dan, through all of these free agent pickups that you just felt, and again, these were guys that were familiar with Brandon Staley's defensive system that he brought in, you would have felt that they would be playing a lot better than this. Now, it's not everybody because there have been some guys on this defense that have been stout and have been performing very, very well. But you just have these these riffs, Dan. It's like, I've texted you. When the Chargers either get a, a lead, the offense is able to finally do something well, the defense just gives it right back. Or it's the flip side. The defense will do something well, and then the offense will stall. It's just creating that level of consistency, one side picking up the other. You just haven't seen it through the first nine weeks of the season. So again, back to that original question, I'd probably have to give it to the defense because yeah, you can kind of use the excuse offensively based on the rash of injuries that hit, but that's that's about it. I've already said my piece as it relates to what I'd like to see change offensively, but defensively, man, those big yard chunk plays are not pretty and are just absolute backbreakers. Constantin- Constantino says, Telesco and Staley farewell tour starts this week at Atlanta with the praying hands. Do you agree? I I will refrain from talking about anybody getting canned until the end of the season. And I only say this because the Spanos family does not can anybody in the middle of the season. So Constantino has this opinion, and he totally is, is fine to have that because I understand. I understand everybody today that has a questionable idea about this franchise. TT, they are going 0-3 the next three weeks. Jake, let's say you. Dan, Atlanta, virtually every single game that they have been in this year has either been close or they have been absolutely obliterated and blown out. So Atlanta right now, regardless what you want to say for them and what division they play in, they're playing hot right now. And, oh, guess what? They get back a Cordell or Patterson, Cordero Patterson this week. So as if we had enough to worry about with this run game. <sighs> oh, and three. We're trying yes, out no. this same roster. I won't, I won't go as far as to say, oh, and three. I will say that the Chargers will surprise and maybe win one of those. So we're going to one and two. So we'll end up what was that? Six, five and five. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <sighs> okay. Uh, just so many in here. Uh, Pacific beats comes in. I just look at the creativity from Shanahan and McCaffrey and it's night and day. Now let's be cautious here. Yes. McCaffrey's throwing touchdowns and catching all the kind of stuff, but also Neckler 
If you're doing one for one, Austin Eckler has been pretty dynamic after his slow start. I think he has the most receptions of any running back in the NFL. Like he's he's doing okay. Um, but I think I think to the larger point, the Shanahan uh creativity versus what we've seen in this offense so far has been different. Um Everett O'Neill, if you look around the league, pocket passes are not doing well. Herbert has been turned from a run and gun gunslinger like Josh Allen to a dink and dunk pocket passer like Breeze. Now, I put less of this on Lombardi and more of this on the fact that like the guy's got some rib issues, man. Like, and you if you're the offensive coordinator that goes and tells your quarterback to go run around like a crazy person, all of a sudden he gets blown up and is out for the season. That is so much worse than making him a dink and dunk, quote unquote, quarterback. Now, I do think we're going to see more from Justin Herbert this week coming off the bye week. He's had two weeks to get more healthy. But I don't know. I don't, I don't really put that on the coaching staff as much. Uh, let's see here. Uh, this is an interesting one, Jake. Strange that the better coached and best unit on the team is actually special teams. Who are we? I mean, it's like, been a minute since we said something <laughs> like that about this special teams unit. I mean, before the Broncos game, when was the last time that we had a fumble recovered on special teams? Mm. The Chargers mm. ha- the Chargers lead the league in almost takeaways. <laughs> in Once almost again. anything. I feel in like that's a, that's a reoccurring theme every season. That should be, honestly, is that a stat? Like, I wonder if there's actually a stat for that. No, like, but it should be away. made. It's like, it's up there with like almost interceptions. Or, you know, like it Chargers be, logo. Yeah, just, just Chargers an overall logo. takeaway. It's like the, uh, it's like, you know, oh, everybody gets a gold star for participation purposes. It's like a stat like that. Uh, let's see. Uh, Elliot Sucker says, I'm an honorary Bills fan until next season. All right, again, guys, gals, we're four and three. I say we, they are four and three. There's a whole lot of football ahead of us. And if for some crazy miracle, according to many of you guys, because the Chargers are terrible and they should fire everyone. If for some miracle that the Chargers go out and they win this Sunday and move to five and three, win however way possible, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care if Atlanta all comes down with the flu, they all can't play, and the coaching staff has to go out there and the Chargers find a way to victory. The Chargers go to five and three. People are going to be pissed. People are going to say, can Staley, can Lombardi shut Herbert down, go for the number one pick at five and three. You know how many teams would be begging to be five and three? If Chargers go five and three and they could potentially get, I don't know, Keenan Allen back, Joshua Kelly back, Joey Bosa back. Like there's a lot more they can do. Again, I know that's optimist. I'm just saying, five and three, I don't care. We have been through many seasons where they cannot get to five and three and they've been healthy because of crazy decisions and things that have happened. So I, I, this fan base is something, man. Uh, Richie Lloyd, anything can happen. I totally agree. Uh, interesting question as we're wrapping up here. Again, guys, thank you. There's been a ton going on here. Um, Chargers boys, do you think the Watson outlier, we're going to go right into kind of Justin Herbert contract talks for a sec, Jake. Will the 250 guaranteed contract, will that hold up contract extension for Justin Herbert? Well, first of all, 
don't we don't know for sure that the extension for Justin Herbert is coming this year. But when the time comes, has Justin Herbert proven that he deserves the bag? We as fans, based off of what we've seen over the first two years, would probably say 100% absolutely that's your next franchise quarterback. Now, not to say that the Chargers don't see it the same way, because I believe that they do. But I think when you look at this season, and on another handful of guys that you know that need to have extensions, the Chargers most likely will wait until next year to extend him based off of seeing a year of him with better health, with his hopefully more weapons around him, with healthier players around him, and they will still get it done. And honestly, whatever that number is at that point in time, he'll deserve every penny of it. So no, I don't think that this situation with Deshaun Watson is going to hinder that extension talk. This is the epitome of the dichotomy of Chargers fans. Okay, Jake, back-to-back comments. First, we've got TT says, you should care how they win. How they win is more important than the win itself immediately after you got someone saying a win is a win. However you win, you don't get any bonus style points. I say this to you, TT chargers win shitty games all year. Go to the super bowl win shittily. I don't care. I mean, I think, don't care. You think Tom Brady cares on how he care. got the super bowl against the Seattle Seahawks because the opposing coach made a big time mistake on not running the ball when instead he chose to pass it. How they win is not more important than Look, the win itself. Dan, I get it. Like <laughs> I, I get, I, I kind of understand it because I'm kind of funny. This I'm one of the guys that sometimes would like to see a more efficiently played sure, football team, a blowout sure. win. Sure, no, not, not even necessarily a blowout win, but it's like you take the Cleveland game and a microcosm. It's like what led to that win being very fortunate. You think to yourself, you could have avoided that. <laughs> a number of different ways. It should never have came down to that. So I'm middle of the road here. It's just like, it still gives you pause. Every team gets lucky breaks in the NFL. And sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, but you're not going to get these type of games from this team, unfortunately, every week. And have they gotten some fortunate situations from the football gods this year? Yes. Have they at times looked completely inept of moving the football offensively and stopping anybody defensively? Also, yes. Nick says, what if the Chargers, Raiders, and Broncos all finish with losing records this year? I think the Raiders do. I'm not sure about the Broncos. They're going on 500. I'm not sure about the Chargers. But, like, yeah. I mean, remember, going into the season, AFC West was supposed to be a juggernaut. If the Chargers, Raiders, and Broncos all finish with losing records, you're most likely talking about a coin toss to see who gets said draft pick at that point in time. Let's just say it like that as far as the neck and necks goes. Who knows what anybody else's record's going to be at that point. At this point, Chargers, we get the worst or we get the yeah worst of the draft picks because we beat both of them. So, <laughs> yay for winning in division games. If they split, all bets are off, baby. <laughs> yeah. Richie Lloyd, the Raiders wish they were five and three. They sure do. Um, HH4 again, slow the roll. The ship has holes galore. Look, I agree. The ship has holes. No one is arguing that. Yeah. All, all things are true here. Dan and I are not trying to preach gospel or, or tell people no. to calm down. I'm not sugarcoating tell stuff. To, to change their perspectives because. I, I will admit, and so will Dan, because I know how he's been talking to me over these last few days. 
everybody's feelings, whatever they are, is 100% correct. We are not going to tell they're not, anybody. They're not correct. They're valid. They're not we are not going to tell anybody to change their way of thinking because we get it. They have holes. Like, but honestly, other than maybe the Bills, every team has holes. So, like, you got to figure out how to kind of move past that. Now, I would say the majority of the holes from this team and on this ship are because of injuries. The team needs to do something. Like, it's clear the team needs to do something. And this is a big, a lot of people say it's a must-win game versus Atlanta, given the schedule coming up. You still got games versus the Dolphins with Bradley Chubb, Tyreek Hill, Tua. You still got the Titans coming up. You got the Colts coming up. You got the Niners coming up. The Chiefs. All of those games could easily lose. You could win, but you could lose all of those. You should beat Atlanta. Now, I say that, but like, should they beat Atlanta with the current roster? Should the Chargers beat Atlanta without their wide receiver one, without without their wide receiver two, without their running back two, with a quarterback with cartilage issues, with their out their left tackle, without their wide receiver five, and then insert JC Jackson, Joey Bosa. Should they win that game? It's a preview for later, but like, I guess that's a rhetorical question. Like, be real for a second here. Um, all right, Jake, we are uh, wrapping up here. Uh, if for folks who have yet to bring any comments or topics, uh, rapid fire, Brent put in there. We're going to have about maybe four more minutes here before we jump out of here. Uh, Jake, one question that actually just came in, um, and I've seen people talk about this. There's a lot of issues with injuries in the NFL, but specifically on turf. And Nick comes in and talks about all the injuries seem to happen at SoFi Stadium. And again, that's turf. Um, there's been a lot of players who have voiced their displeasure, if you will, about turf versus grass. Do you see any... I, look, I'm not a architect. I don't know. I'm not an herbologist or ever. I don't know how this stuff works. But like, do you see any scenario that the Chargers slash Rams change the field from turf to grass? <laughs> no. No, not a chance. And, and and look, I'm not I'm not saying this because I don't believe in this because I 100% believe in this. I remember for years and years and years over the last decade, my left my late stepdad was saying the exact same things because he was seeing it take place whether it was at different stadiums or wherever college, whatever you want to call it. He was saying the exact same thing. So this is not something that is specifically, as you said, Dan, privy to SoFi. It's been privy multiple stadiums for a mm -hmm. number of different years. And for some reason, this just causes catastrophic injuries. So do I think that the Chargers have been unfortunately hit by it this year? Sure. Do I think that the Chargers or the Rams for that matter, considering who we know is actually running the stadium, do I think that they're going to do anything about it? No. Fair. But you know, what I think is going to be a sign According to Pacific Beast, if Herm cuts his hair again, that's a sign that Staley is fired. <laughs> <laughs> or it's a sign that he didn't let that he let someone else cut his hair that he probably shouldn't let him cut his Man, hair. Man, look, it. if if I was if I was Justin Herbert, I would let my hair dictate like almost like a playoff beard 
you know, that players do in baseball or hockey. <laughs> and unfortunately, if we're talking about that, it may be growing for a while, but I would let that grow into like a Clay Matthews type main and just let that as a quarterback, just hang out the back. I would totally rock it like that. <laughs> I love it. Look, um, we've gone through a plethora of questions. Um, thank you, everyone who's participated in this. I hope you got some satisfaction, some therapy, some uh, beverages out of this, or at least I some sure entertainment, did. hopefully. Um, I feel Jake great, is- by the way. <laughs> I feel I'm-, <laughs> I'm impressed. I'm actually surprised that you haven't filled that glass up with another glass. Um, anything else, Jake? We want to talk. I know we're going to talk all things Atlanta Falcons game preview later in the week, but for this one, I think there's a lot of feelings that we saw on social media that we want to kind of just like let out there and let breathe for a bit. Uh, anything that you, I guess, want to touch on that we've seen or heard over the last couple of days, briefly, that you want to address? Like I said, I would just hope that given the Chargers by, given the fact that they are four and three, still mathematically and record-wise in playoff contention as it stands right now, given the fact that who you have at quarterback, I would hope to see some adjustments made both on the offensive and the defensive side. I will not guarantee it. I honestly, and I'm sad to say this, I don't have much faith that it's going to happen, but if the Chargers were content with rolling in with this group, knowing the injuries that they've had, that they have suffered over the last couple of weeks, I would hope that their game plan, it doesn't have to look like a complete 180, but you have to fix some things. And as Staley said in his press conference today, he said that he realized that it's been inconsistent, both on the offense and the defensive side of the ball. Okay, that's great. Then I would hope to see changes that reflect your acknowledgement. Fair. Fair. Uh, for folks who are still here, I mean, look at the numbers. We got a ton of people still here. Uh, please hit the like, hit the subscribe, uh, leave a comment, let us know what you think. Um, we're always open to feedback, both positive and negative. Regardless, we are open to criticism. That's one of the things that we pride ourselves on is trying to be better all the time. Uh, Jake, Richie Lloyd says Jake is buzzing. I'm close. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I just. I like my I like having a drink of the brown. What can I say? I like myself a good bourbon or a whiskey. Drink it every once in a while. Have a fireside chat. There's nothing better, I will say, than just having a tall glass of this and just talking football. Whether it's Chargers football, any type of football, no matter what your team is, it's nice just having like a fireside Ooh. chat type of atmosphere with Jake, whiskey okay. and football. Jake, I'm imagine close your eyes for a second. Imagine the chart. Imagine the Chargers win on a random Sunday. Okay. Sunday night, Sunday night, Chargers just won. You're at the beach. Everyone listening, watching, you're at the beach. Chargers just won. You got the brown stuff with you. You're at like a bonfire. You could hear the sounds of the fire crackling, the oceans crashing, talking football. Like that is seriously like euphoria at its finest right there. Unfortunately, <laughs> most of the time I do that during the off season, you know. It's <laughs> when a Wednesday. And there's a lot to talk about, but... <laughs> This this was definitely the day that the whiskey definitely needed to be cracked. That's for sure. Because everybody's in their feelings right now, and I totally get it. And everybody is justified to feel the way that they do. And this is where we stand. We're four and three 
as a fan base watching this Chargers team. Um, thank you guys, gals, so much for tuning in. I know this has been a lot. There's been a lot of stuff going on. It's been hard not watching Chargers football for the last week and a half, but we get to watch it. Hopefully get to watch a good one on Sunday versus the Falcons. Uh, for Jake Hefner, you can find him, the Brown stuff, at Jake T. Hefner. I just figured it myself. You know, why did I wait until week nine to crack this open? I just I just realized I'm probably going to be doing this a lot more Oh, on boy. our shows over the next couple. Oh, of weeks. here we go. Here it's we go. An, it's an. Here we it's, go. Jake's already an, in draft mode. It's That's... an unfortunate realization, but a great therapy when we're talking on the podcast like that. That also gives you some great liquid courage to just spew all of the negativity <laughs> at the very end of the show. I thought it was very reasonable on this show today. <laughs> For anybody no. that wants to talk to me about my negativity, I got it. I know I'm pessimistic. I know I'm not as... If anyone talks about damn. my negativity... But damn, I thought I was pretty <laughs> middle of the road today. No, you did great. I'm very proud of you, Jake. Well, thank you. I, I'm glad I have your <laughs> approval above all things. All right, guys. Uh, for Jake Hefner, uh, Dan Wilkinson, LAFB, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. You can find Jake at Jake T. Hefner, myself at Dan W. Sports. Follow us, LAC underscore Unleashed. Hit the like, subscribe, comment. Uh, You know the deal. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time on Chargers Unleashed.